Welcome back to the Vincent Collectors Podcast. I'm John Biggs. I'm Adam Katz. And today on the show, we have a few exciting things. I'm really excited about uh, an Omega that's about to come up uh, on Rally. But why don't we go through, Adam, uh, what happened last week? Sure. So last week we talked about the Ken Griffey Jr. 1989 Upper Deck card Mm -hmm. that went up on Collectible. It sold out in under 10 minutes. Um, As expected, it was a fairly low market. 10 minutes, wow. And a pretty iconic card. The whiskey collection at Vint just sold out uh, yesterday, I think, maybe even today, this morning. So it did fairly well. And then the Aaron Rodgers card uh, at Rally sold out in about, I think, four or five hours. A little slow, but not crazy slow by any means. And with so the Ken Griffey was super fast. That was ten minutes or even less. Yeah, right? but I mean, mark you know the market cap was lower, so it, it's mm-hmm. it's not really apples to apples. And the Rogers card, you know, Rogers wasn't playing last week. They have a bye, so they'll they'll be playing this weekend. And I think if it had been coincided with when he was playing and they had won, it probably would have driven interest a little bit quicker. Um, so that was last week's IPOs. This week. The first one that I wanted to talk about is one that is coming up Tuesday, which is today, uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern. So probably shortly after this podcast goes up, Rally is IPOing a Naomi Osaka card to coincide with the Australian Open that is happening right now. Osaka will play tonight, our time, tomorrow, Australia time. And she won her first round match. She is the defending champion, but she has only played, I think, in 12 tournaments over the last two years. The only tournament that she won last year was that Australian Open. Then she had that kind of much publicized mental health break where she pulled out of Wimbledon. She had like the issue. She actually pulled out, I think, of the French Open as well. So... Her performance has been inconsistent, but when she's on, I believe she's the, the best hardcore player in the world. And mm-hmm. she's won two US Opens, two Australians, and has been ranked number one in the past. This card, Rally, is it's a 2018 Sports Illustrated for Kids card, graded as a PSA 9. So was this this wasn't in like a packet. This was in something else, right? Yeah, I'll get to that. It's the market cap is 13,000. Rally bought this originally for 10,000 at eBay in July. It's one of 6 PSA 9s, one graded higher, one PSA 10 out of 43 cards. So it is coming from Sports Illustrated for Kids. If you are not familiar with that, in the magazines they have these sheets of 9 cards Hmm. it together and they're separated by like perforated things so you could like pull them apart and then you it's you know it's for kids it's only recently that these have sort of become collector's items particularly because they often include athletes and sports that don't have their own sets so you know tennis golf olympians and so there's a 1996 tiger woods card that Collectible actually has a PSA 10 version of, and that saw like huge price increases last year, and that kind of drove interest in these cards. And you can buy 
ton. There's so many of these uncut sheets on eBay of Osaka and you know other people. Mia Hamm has a SI for Kids card. Tiger Woods has a couple. And on Osaka's originals sheet, there were you know athletes like Simone Biles, Jason Tatum, Jonathan Taylor. And so there are nine total. You can buy those for a couple hundred bucks on eBay. And if you really want, can try and separate them yourself and send it in for grading on PSA. It's apparently a very difficult process. People use, you know, like exacto well, so, knives and yeah. it's it's a whole process. And so I'm looking at like this Tiger Woods, for example, this is a 96. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's to, to maintain a, a kid's magazine for whatever, 20 or 30 years is actually kind of difficult. So that's, that's fine. I understand that. But I mean, so this, the, the, the sheets available are actually available and you just have to separate them out and you, all you have looking for is like the best, best uh, version. Yeah. I mean, so the cards are pretty difficult to get graded highly because they're not, they're not real cards, right? So they're, the printing is, is generally off centered and it's very difficult to separate the cards without damaging them. And I guess one of the things PSA looks for is is how clean the perforations are. And so you really yeah. have to go like one little perforation at a time. And there's a reason there's only been one graded 10 and six nines. But I would say that, you know, as these things get more prominent, increase in price you're going to see more and more pop up in the population reports because people are going to buy these uncut sheets and these original magazines, take them out, separate them, hope to get it highly graded because if you do get that 10 or whatever, it can be worth a fair amount mm-hmm. of money. And with the case... It's such, of, it's such a weird... It is very strange. But like a, like a regular sheet goes for a couple hundred and, a, and one that's like cut specifically and looks really, really good will go for like five figures. Potentially. So there was a sale of a PSA 9 before Rally bought it for, I think, 13400 But at that time, that was the only PSA 9 with no 10s. And since then, because a higher-graded one has come out and because other PSA 9s have come out, it has devalued that a bit. Rally bought their card for 10000 There was a sale for 7500 in September. PSA 8s. There was a PSA 8 that went for 1500 in May has dropped all the way down to 200 a little over 200 bucks in December um, because you're going to just see more and more of these cards surface. So there's a risk there that in a few months or in a year, there's going to be many more PSA 9s, PSA 10s, and this card becomes less unique. There's also... Yeah, this seems crazy risky. This There's also, I mean, there's also performance risk from Osaka. We don't know how she's going to do in this tournament, but also in her career. Uh but on the other hand, there is a lot of upside, both for Osaka. She could be the next Serena. She's already the highest paid female athlete of all time mm-hmm. based on her endorsements. She's surpassed Serena, um, not not cumulatively, but in the last two years, each of her yearly totals have been higher than any woman in history. So she's got a huge global profile. At her best, she's probably the best player in the game. And, you know, women's sports cards are due for a moment. Serena's cards have been popping. We've seen her, one of her cards have record sales. 
in, in the last couple of auctions. And Osaka could, you know, Serena's career is almost over, if not functionally over, and Osaka could step into that that void. And I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of upside with her cards and memorabilia, but a lot of risk as well. Okay. This is a this is a weird one, yeah. So what else we got here? Uh next today, by the time this podcast goes out, Collectible will have opened up early access for nineteen fifty two tops Mickey Mantle card. The date of the public IPO has not been released yet, but it will be open for early access. The market cap of this card is two hundred and ninety nine thousand. The consigner is retaining a very small amount of equity, 4.7%. It is a PSA 7. There are 76 PSA 7s. There are 56 graded higher. And this, if you don't know anything about the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle, this is one of the holy grails of baseball cards. It is not his technical rookie card. That would be the 1951 Bowman. But this is the first time that Mantle was on a Topps card. And earlier... In 2021, a PSA 9 of this sold for $5.2 million, which was, Hmm. at the time, the all-time record for a baseball card. So this is one of the most sought-after cards that exists. There are three PSA 10s out there. There are people who think those are worth, you know, eight figures, and that if one ever went out for auction, it it would easily become the most expensive card ever sold. So this one's just a PSA 7. PSA 7 is still fairly high. You know, they're only 56 graded higher. So this is one of the most desirable copies of one of the most desirable cards out there. And particularly for a certain generation, Mantle still remains the number one target. I don't know if he's going to be the number one target going forward for the generations coming up. I don't know if vintage baseball is going to hold as well as, you know, as much interest as modern basketball does for mm-hmm. you know gen zers but for the people who mostly populate the collector's market right now mantle is still the guy and this card is still the one so most recently though there was a psa 7 at golden that did not sell did not meet the reserve price it had a high bid of two hundred and forty thousand, including buyer's premium so a bit less than the, the market cap the two cards look somewhat similar so it's not an, necessarily an eye appeal thing. It might just be a low outlier because before that, the previous two PSA 7s went for 312000 and 288000 in uh, no, last November and October. And there's a PSA 7 that is coming up at PWCC this weekend. Where that closes is going to be a pretty good barometer of where we're at, whether or not. If it's back up 300000 then we can say, okay, that's about where the market is. If it's in that 240, 250 range, it's possible that that it has declined a little bit. Okay. So this is, I remember, we didn't, wasn't a, you, you said there was another version of this. Yep. I saw this yep. a there, couple months so ago, right? Collectible has a PSA 8, which is currently oh, okay. trading at a market cap of, you know, close to 1.2 million. Um, wow. And Rally has the same card in SGC 7 grade, which is, Last it has not opened for real time trading. It last traded a market cap of three hundred and forty thousand, and SGC sevens are generally lower regarded than PSA sevens. So we'll see where that rally one trades when it opens. I would rather have shares in a PSA seven, but obviously it depends on the price. 
All right, and now we've got something that's uh, near and dear to my heart. This is an Omega Seamaster Professional, right? Yeah, so this is a really interesting and fun asset. Rally tends to have a lot of these, which are just kind of like unique, fun assets. This is a 1999 Omega Seamaster Professional watch that was worn by Pierce Brosnan uh, when he played James Bond in the movie The World Is Not Enough in 1999. Rally is bringing it to the market at a market cap of 80000 They bought it for a little over 71000 in November, so you're looking at a about a 12% premium. And I believe it's about 20% funded so far in early access, but again, it's going to open this Thursday at noon. And yeah, it's... It you know Bond is Bond right? He's an icon, and not mm-hmm. just an icon of movies, but an icon of style, right? So, his suits, the cars, you know, I mean, and then watches, you know, those are what he is known for. And I believe that I'm not a huge watch guy, but I believe that Bond had historically been wearing Rolexes, but then when Brosnan took over, they switched to Omegas. And yeah, there was a the there was an official. I believe it was a it was probably a Submariner. Um, that he was wearing for what during, especially during the um, Sean Connery years, and what's his name, the other guy, uh, Roger Robert, Moore. Roger Moore. Um, but yeah, these these were weird because this is like a this was a quartz, uh, and it was and it was released in '99. But I think I think if you look at it, you could see that the uh, that the watch itself was um, the watch itself was was supposed to be released and like it was supposed to appear in 1986. So it was actually an anachronism first off. And then all these watches had little, had little tricks. Like this one had a grappling hook in it. And then yeah. if you remember Goldeneye, Goldeneye, the, the, that was the, actually the video game, uh, actually had the watch that you would bring like up to your face and you could see like all the, yeah, the laser <laughs> and also the cool stuff. Yeah. But I mean, look, it's like, and Omega was a uh, Omega paid a lot for this for this placement. Uh, most recently, they've been wearing. He's been wearing. Uh, I guess you could say they're like more military style. Uh, the Daniel they, Craig they ones. Call it the, yeah, the Daniel Craig's. He would wear a more military watch with the uh, broken cross, which is this arrow on it that shows that it's that it's military. This was a little more fancy. Uh, this is if you watch uh, Born Identity, he wears Tag Hauer, and uh, and James Bond just wears Omega now. So. Gotcha. So this is from the movie The World Is Not Enough. Uh, not one of the best, actually, in my opinion, nah. easily the worst of the Pierce Brosnan ones. Most memorable to me and I think to the internet for its casting of Denise Richards as a nuclear scientist who can't properly pronounce the word nuclear. Nah. It had, yeah, it, it was, I mean, honestly, so Brosnan was in four. I don't even remember any of these movies. Brosnan was in four. Just, the best one was Goldeneye, yeah. the first one. The other three not particularly well regarded in the rankings of Bond movies, but generally the world is not as enough is ranked as his, his least acclaimed and least popular. It has the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score deservedly. Well, if, if you watch any of the previous ones, they're pretty awful too. So, I mean, the, the, the only thing that, the only thing that James Bond movies have, have for themselves is basically like, like nostalgia and maybe the Daniel Craig series because a few of the guys, Conneries I mean, were pretty he, good. I mean, the first, the Conneries first were okay, but the Roger Moores were rough. Um, and importantly, you know, Brosnan Bond was 
kind of brought the series back because I think the Timothy Dalton yeah. ones were, were box office bombs. And for me and for, I think, a lot of the millennials out there, Brosnan was the first Bond that they knew. So there is some mm-hmm. nostalgia for that. For the younger generations, their Bond is Daniel Craig. And the, those movies were better. Not sure that the movie really matters, but I mean, I do think that there is something to it that if if there is a, a rich collector out there that wants to buy this out, they're not going to be as excited because it's from kind of not as yeah. good a Bond movie. And I mean, like like you say, you could get you can get a a similar a Seamaster Professional around the same year for about three thousand four thousand bucks. Not the specific quartz model, and not the model that's like been destroyed by the by the. Uh, by the the, the uh, props people, uh, so the so the bezel's knocked off. But I mean, it's a cute it's a cute thing. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing that's a unique item. There's no real reason to believe that it's going to trade up on the secondary market when it opens yeah. because there's not like a James Bond movie coming out now for a while. They didn't have you know Daniel Craig's done with that, and they haven't even announced a new Bond. So it's gonna be several years before this new Bond movie. There's probably not going to be any comparable sales unless somehow one of the Pierce Brosnan watches, if they even exist, come come up for auction. The last time this one sold before Rally's purchase was 2007 for about 58000 So it didn't see a ton of appreciation between 2007 and 2021. You know, it only went up by 22% in 14 years. Not particularly good return. So ultimately... Investors buying into this are going to have to hope for a buyout from somebody who's just super into this asset. Yeah, the nine. I mean, this eighty k for this thing is it's a prop, so it's not like you're it's not like you're even going to. But it's not that good a watch anymore. Uh, so this is a little bit wild. I mean, compared to other stuff on Rally, I'm going through their list of like luxury collectibles. They got. They have like a Smurf Submariner Rolex for fifty four k, which is pr- which is a superior watch in all in all in all uh, senses. And just because it's associated with freaking Pierce Brosnan doesn't really or no, uh, Tim, yeah, Pierce Brosnan doesn't give it that extra thirty k. I don't think. I mean, it, it oh, well. again, it it all it takes is one person. So yeah, exactly. So those are the IPOs right. this week. We've got some auctions coming up this weekend. The PWCC Premier Auction is closing this weekend. The Big Heritage Sports Auction is going to close next weekend. And the Golden One in early February. These are all going to be three major auctions. And we'll be looking to those results to see how the sports card and sports memorabilia markets have been going. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so there you have it. Go pick up a few. We have we have one IPO today. Is that right? As soon as we launch this podcast, the Osaka is coming out this evening. The mantle should be open for early access by the time this All podcast. Right. Is out. Super. So this has been the Vincent Collectors Podcast. I'm John Biggs. Adam Katz, and we will see you next week. <laughs>